Regardless of where you are on your fitness journey, the foundation for your success hinges on the habits you live by. The Pro Fitness Podcast and community connects you with top trainers to motivate and empower you to maintain a fit and healthy lifestyle. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce. Welcome to the Pro Fitness Podcast. Today I'm joined by Leah Montalongo, podcast host, group fitness instructor, and yoga teacher. Leah, thank you for being here. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Likewise, likewise. And, you know, kind of jumping into it, fitness has been uh, your entire life, pretty much your entire adult life, at least, right? Yes, it has. I definitely started uh, my fitness journey at a very young age, um, becoming a group fitness instructor actually at the age of 17. So basically right out of high school, it was uh, something I love to do and it has carried me on for 30 years. And we'll get into some of the cool experiences you've had along the way, but um, your story starts on the south side of Chicago, right? It does, yeah. Born and raised south side of Chicago. I grew up in a small town um, called Marionette Park. Uh, it's, you know, kind of in between Blue Island and Mount Greenwood. So, uh, yeah, I uh, grew up on both sides. I had a little bit of this and a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah, and you say both sides like good and bad kind of thing? Correct, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, one of the things that you had mentioned was that Part of growing up, uh, and, and specifically on the South Side, is you know, getting no's, right? Or not feeling supported. Um, tell me about that and just kind of how that shaped who you are today and, and, and developed that, you know, perseverance attitude that you have. Thanks. Um, yeah, you know, I feel really fortunate that I had this way about turning no's into yeses. And every time I heard no, I was like, all right, I'll figure out how I'm going to do it. So one thing for me growing up, um, you know, I was raised by a single mom and she worked full time. So I was actually a latchkey kid. So at nine, I was coming home and locking the door and just kind of taking care of myself. Mm. And I grew up in a part of town where there really weren't any dance studios or um, kind of like after school programs uh, per se. And that's okay. You know, I just found my way into the garage. And I would hang out in there for hours. And I actually taught myself how to dance because wow. really just something that I wanted to do ever since I was a young girl was be a dancer. And I remember like the day that I asked my mom if I could start taking ballet classes. And she said, no, she said, no, I, I can't drive you there. I can't afford it. She just said, no. Wow. And uh, and so I just figured out how to do it anyway. And you said you had at 14 choreographed your first performance, right? Yes. So growing up in Marionette Park, there was Mount Greenwood Park and uh, the Mount Greenwood Colts, the cheerleading team. And I really wanted to be on the cheerleading team. And um, one of the opportunities that they you know, gave the girls as a whole was like, if you wanted to come up with a routine. And so I did. And um, and then they said, yeah, we can use this for our halftime number. So I was just 14, choreographing the Mount Greenwood Colts halftime dance and just, you wow. know, continued to do that all the way through my whole adult life. <laughs> wow. And so kind of fast forwarding with the fitness part. So 17, leading group fitness. Um, how'd you get into it? And then kind of fast forward to, to 19 <laughs> when things started really, that was a busy year for you. Yeah. Um, okay. So as I mentioned, a little bit of good and a little bit of bad. So the way I found fitness actually was um, I was sneaking into a bar. There was a bar on Look the south you. side of Chicago <laughs> called The Brickyard. 
And I went with my very best friend, Robin, and we snuck in. Um, and the bouncer, his name was Brian Glenn. He was like, hey, I'll let you I'll let you girls in if you promise you won't drink. And I was going for the dance contest because I wanted mm. to get out of Marionette Park. I wanted to do anything I could to get out of Marionette Park. I just, any kind of teen, teen club dance I could go to, any type of dancing I just wanted to be a part of. So sure enough, we snuck in. I'm in the dance. I'm doing the thing. And then all of a sudden... The police are coming to bust this bar for underage drinking. And my friend Robin, this is when, like, before we had cell phones, even beepers, my friend Robin wrote my phone number on the napkin and gave it to Brian. And he called me the next day. And we became boyfriend and girlfriend right away. And he was a bodybuilder. He was also a little older. And, you know, that's, that's, Neither here nor there. Yeah, it's okay. Like it it all worked itself out. So he taught me everything he knew. And, you know, I definitely had a challenging home life with my mom. There was a lot of battling between her and I. And so I found my way, uh, you know, to deal with that. I would hang out with my boyfriend, Brian, at the time, and, and we would go to the gym and we would work out. And I just loved the way that I felt when I worked out. And I love taking all of that anger and kind of those feelings of frustration and feeling really stuck. And I put it into my workout and I saw my body change. I would pick up a dumbbell and I would actually physically feel this thing change. And it would also change my mind. And um, and I still call Brian my you know earth angel because he came into my life at a time where I could have gone one way or the other. Absolutely, you could have. And I decided to hang out with Brian. Wow. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and then we both became personal trainers. <laughs> no way. So he wasn't, he wasn't at the time a personal trainer. He was not a personal trainer, but he was a bodybuilder. Gotcha, gotcha. And his goal was more like bodybuilding competitions. He was a graphic artist um, and just kind of did the bodybuilding for himself. Yeah. But then we decided to become personal trainers. And I'll fast forward. We became personal trainers at a gym called World Gym, which was, it. I think it's still, world it's, famous it's a gym. world famous, my, yes, yeah. um, on Montrose, downtown Chicago. Yeah. And so I was like barely 19, driving into the city with him. And I don't even think I was actually training clients yet because I was so green. You know, and I was so young that I was I was working out and I had muscle, but I was definitely like when someone starts working out for the first time, they kind of get yoked like the muscles there, but it's kind of soft and mm. full. And um, and Brian was legitimate, like bodybuilder. Ripped. He yeah. was ripped. So I think he was like doing the training and I think I was like the floor attendant. Mm. <laughs> and John Parrish, who is the one that helped us get the roles in Mortal Kombat, he was actually the first dark-skinned video game actor that was cast in Mortal Kombat as Jax. And the creators of Mortal Kombat asked John Parrish, hey, do you know any bodybuilding couples? And John's like, as a matter of fact, I do. And Brian and I happened to be engaged, actually, at this time. So he got cast as Shao Kahn, which is the king of the underworld. Um, of Mortal Kombat, and then I was called in, and I was cast as Sindel. That's crazy. It's crazy. That's so crazy. It's, it's so wild. crazy. That it's wild. Funny. It really is. And we, Brian and I, are actually the images on the side cabinet for the Mortal Kombat 3 That's video arcade. Insane. Yes, it is insane. And that, I mean, talk about uh, uh, just 
going down this this path and this journey, right? And 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 it, not just that, but you're going to comic cons and signing autographs, and you became this uh, celebrity in your own right. Absolutely, and it's been amazing at how long the fans have stayed fans of each and every one of us, and to this day, and if not even more today than when we first were cast as those um, characters, because so many people around the world have grown up with us. Absolutely. Yeah. And Midway was was here in Chicago. So it's here it just, in Chicago. I mean, it's all it's all very serendipitous, right? It is. Now, at that point, had you? I mean, this is your first big break. This is your first anything. I mean, you go from literally being. Uh, just working out to you start your personal training journey and the next thing you know you're in a video game right there was nothing in between that at that point but then I'm assuming is that because of it or was it because of the opportunities presented or just that you changed your perception of yourself that you went and started doing these competitions and you know being involved with magazines and centerfolds and tell me about how that progressed and just that life uh, evolved for you within the fitness space yeah you know I really would say that the the start of my kind of fitness journey and I think like finding the outlet that I got from working out and dancing started around that 13, 14 years of age. So I think in my development, I was already so driven by how I felt so good that once I started to become more serious about it at 17, 18, 19, that experience of really like utilizing the power of positive thinking. You know, I remember I was like 17, 18, just kind of like getting ready for my first fitness competition. And I was having a hard time and I went to the library because that's what we used to do. We would go to the library and I saw this book on um, like the bookshelf and it was The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. I didn't know that there would be such a religious background. I didn't know that he was a priest. I just liked the title of the book. Mm -hmm. And when I started reading it and I started actually applying it, there was something that, you know, I found it was like, I do have a power within me to change my circumstances. I knew I had the drive as a young child. I've always been kind of like, I can always see the bright side of things. Even in my relation, my, my challenging relationship with my mother, my challenging relationship with a lot of my family members, I can still see the bright side of things. It's just naturally who I am. But I think like having the tools of, books like The Power of Positive Thinking, those types of things, and then applying application and action and then getting these results. What happened for me, though, I think is like it was too much too soon. I didn't really know how to manage that once I got it. I didn't understand because you're 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 at such a young age, you haven't really experienced life. Yeah. And not only that, but the life that you have experienced has been somewhat tough. It's been challenging. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've heard I mean, yeah, I've heard people that have gone maybe through, you know, last challenges end up in different kind of situations. So I do know that there is something inside of me, innately inside of me, that I feel is like a call. My purpose is to help others and really inspire them. And I do believe that my struggle, you know, with a lot of the the parts of my life that I've had to endure are really just for me to continue on this path. And fitness has been the one instrument that I've maintained all this time. Wow. Yeah. What 
in terms of, I mean, I guess because you've been doing this your whole life and it's been such a, a big part of it, what can you, if you can think about, you know, back to when you started on this journey that you noticed a difference, not only, obviously in your body, you mentioned, you know, hey, I started getting muscles, whatever, um, but just from the, the mindset or maybe some of the emotions that you were dealing with. Tell me about that, because you mentioned a little bit about taking that frustration out at the gym, right? Yeah, I remember very vividly, you know, when I was in my teens, my mom and I used to fight a lot. Mm. And I remember one time- Single mom, I'm assuming? Yeah. yeah. And I remember one time um, calling Brian and I, I ditched school. I didn't go to school because I was so upset about the fight. And I remember when I was at the gym, I started doing lap pull downs, you know, and I was like, just pulling them out, pulling them out. And I don't know if I read it in the book or if I just kind of had it again, like just innately inside of me. I, I was like, I'm going to reimagine that whole experience. And so I reimagined everything in a positive. Wow. I reimagined her being positive towards me. I reimagined her giving me compliments, telling me that she was proud of me. I reimagined how I was feeling about the whole situation. And I just, again, it was something that I kind of, you know, had innately inside of me. But I think, I think the, the positive that working out does, the chemical positive release, the endorphin release, it takes you to a different place. You're, sha- you're changing your perspective at a cellular level. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. And how do you translate that into what you provide for others through your um, your service, right? Through your training, through uh, whether it be group or whether it be one-on-one. Um, how do you translate into what you took as your experience to, and, and by the way, very wise beyond your years at such a young age. I mean, that's something that I think people pay a lot of money to go be told to do stuff like that, right? And you're figuring it out. But yeah, how do you translate that into something that you can that people can take away um, for their own journeys, right? And overcoming some of those things and using fitness as that medium to do so. Um, whenever I teach, my message is always about, I, I say a lot of times that the workout is always between you and you, you know, that their, their biggest cheerleader, their biggest challenge, their biggest struggle, how they're showing up for themselves. It's always about them. It's always about their relationship with them themselves. My message when I'm teaching, it's always like, there's more, you can reach more, you can go further, you can do more. Um, And when I teach, I try to teach from a place of compassion because who knows what they're going through. And I've had hundreds and hundreds of students at this point at 30 years of teaching come up to me after class with tears and eyes saying, thank you so much. You helped me so much. Um, So I do, I am sensitive to my environment. I think that does happen when you grow up in an uncertain environment. Um, You kind of become a little hypervigilant. But I've learned how to, before I would take it on as my own and I would feel responsible for others. Now I know that I'm just a catalyst. And so I just try to help them move whatever they're going through, but I know that movement heals, so. And and for you too, I mean, we'll get to the, the Spiritual Warrior World um, yeah. uh, podcast that you have going, but talk to me a little bit about that in terms of how that has played such a, a big role in your life and how you've incorporated some of those practices into fitness as part of more of a holistic approach to more like a lifestyle, right? Yeah. So for me, not so long ago, I became a yoga teacher and 
actually becoming a yoga teacher was one of the darkest times of my life. Wow. Um, as I was kind of peeling these layers back, the space between my head and my heart were actually growing deeper and further apart. And I was starting to feel really empty inside. And I didn't and this really... And prior to going um, into getting into yoga or, or as you were as going As I through, was becoming wow. a yoga teacher. Wow. Yeah. And they say that I, you know, a lot of people that have kind of endured and gone through very traumatic situations, when you become a yoga teacher, it's no joke because yeah. you're peeling layers and your body remembers everything at a cellular level. And um, what I really had to do was I really had to cultivate the connection between my head and my heart. And the only way you can do that is if you stop moving. So I had to stop doing all the things that I did to feel connected. I had to stop doing all the things that I did to feel connected so that my head and my heart could get connected. Because sometimes you have to sit still. And in yoga, you learn it's the union of the mind, the body, and the spirit. And the way that I was surviving and thriving and living was to keep moving. So I was never really able to kind of like connect it yeah. and release it in a real healthy way. And so it's only been through becoming a yoga teacher, you know, finding really incredible people to support me and be around me in these last years and really stepping into like my womanhood too. You know, I'm a single mom and I was like, holy cow, how did this happen to me? You know, so I had a lot of shame and like a lot of guilt. There's some religion, religious guilt back there. You know, I, I had to really lean into developing a connection with something outside of myself. And that takes work because I only knew how to rely on myself. Right. And so as I developed that connection, you know, when COVID came and hit hard, I drove from Los Angeles back to Illinois to spend time and move in with my mother. <laughs> and so I, and I couldn't go to the gym and I couldn't teach the classes and I couldn't do the things that I was doing to keep moving. And I had to kind of sit with all of it. And now I have my son and I have my mom. I have to go inside and I have to really connect. And I have nowhere to go but up to connect to that spirituality in a totally different space. Yeah. And so then I was inspired to create a podcast because I was like, well, if I've done all of these amazing things and I even knew how to kind of handle and I read the books and I did the things, but I'm struggling because I didn't have a real divine connection with my spirituality. I was too immersed in like, just kind of like doing what I had to do. I, I felt like it was time to open up a conversation about what spirituality is. Yeah. And then to invite all different walks of life. Um, and it just so happens that we're celebrating the 30th year anniversary of Mortal Kombat. So I was like, who better to invite than my castmates on my podcast to talk about being a spiritual warrior? And what did you find through that as far as what people's experience uh, you know, have been with spirituality? Um, obviously, the warrior part's there of their Mortal Kombat, right? But here you're talking about spiritual uh, combat. What what did you find through opening up that dialogue with other people about spirituality? What would have been some of the things that, yeah, that you can share? I think that's a great question. I think a lot of people get confused and they think spirituality is religion. And it's really not. Spirituality. you were raised Catholic. I was raised Catholic, yes. Um, 
And I, what I have found in my own cultivation of spirituality is that it's quite the opposite, you know, and spirituality is really about going within and taking responsibility of everything in your life. I had to take responsibility of the relationship with my mom. What's my part? What did I do? Where, where do I keep going? Why do I keep doing these certain things? That's cultivating spirituality. Growing spiritually is to be able to look within, and that takes a lot of work. And I think a lot of people get confused. But what I found is my castmates are all really spiritually developed and, and divine. And most of my castmates, we've all endured hardship. And like legit hardship. One of my castmates, you know, she has handicapped children. She has twin boys that are paraplegic that just turned 25 years old. And she raised them, you know, and she's got a full family and she's flourishing and nourishing. And, you know, that's what we do. And um, I think sharing the conversation of what spirituality is opens up space for others that may be doing the workout. They may be reading the books, they may be making the money, they may be doing this program or buying that program, but still something inside of them between the head and the heart, maybe that space is still growing. You know, it's about coming in to solve. Absolutely. And like, because you're still, I mean, you're an active uh, group fitness instructor, <laughs> at premier, you know, like the VIP uh, uh, level status at, at Equinox. So, yes. I mean, this is still, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're really bringing two worlds together. I really am. And I actually became a yoga teacher. I was one of, I was one of the first uh, graduates of the Equinox yoga teacher training program. And so I do teach yoga for Equinox, and then I teach bar fitness, Pilates fitness. I'm in a lot of the long and lean department. I, I'm top talent for them, so I educate the teachers. Um, I do have goals still within Equinox to become, you know, a content creator and to continue to build, you know, because I, I think the physical aspect of my experience in life saved my butt. You know, I think having that fitness, but I also love that I'm now in this space as a yoga teacher for Equinox because we are finding more and more evidence that it is so important to have that spiritual connection. For sure. So it is really interesting to see the Mortal Kombat celebrating its 30th year anniversary. So I have some recognition as an actress, which is always fun. Um, and then celebrating my 30 years as a teacher, you know, in fitness as a personal trainer, group fitness, and now becoming, you know, I'd say a more well-rounded yoga teacher at five years in and teaching as accredited yoga teacher, um, but only because I was able to develop and cultivate my own spirituality. So when I'm sharing on my podcast or when I'm interviewing, I'm always sharing from a spiritual space, which is brand new for me. It's extremely vulnerable. Absolutely. It is. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Well, it sounds like you're doing you know amazing things and really creating a community around that as well. Uh, when when you're doing the group fitness, are you also uh, involved with like one on one uh, training, or is that out of the question at this point in your career? Yeah, at this point in my career, I really enjoy the group fitness settings more than the one on one training. Um, there are parts of the one on one training that I do miss, and maybe I'll revisit that in my later years. <laughs> but for right now, as long as they'll have me. I love just moving with a group of people. It just is, it is community. And that's what I have found for me is what I was always looking for was connection. 
And it seems like you, you, you've gotten it. I mean, throughout your years, you really built communities on the things that you do. And that's exciting. So, I mean, I guess, what's the what's the future hold for you? Oh, my goodness. Uh, the future, it's boundless. Endless <laughs> opportunities all around. Um, you know, I, I have a new fun relationship in my life I'm super excited about. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm in a healthy, loving relationship. I have an incredible 12-year-old son who's thriving. Um, you know, relationships with family are being rebuilt and bonded. Um, you know, I love my mom. I, I don't like her sometimes still, but <laughs> I do love her. Um, you know, we have just lots and lots of really great things coming our way. And I think I'm just in a space of saying yes. That's amazing. How can people find you um, beyond Equinox if they want to obviously sign up and go to your classes? But um, how can they connect with you, follow you, support you? The best way is just simply on Instagram. And it's sim- it's my first and last name, at Leah Montalongo. Perfect. Well, Thank you, Leah, for coming in, sharing your story. Sounds amazing, everything you're doing. Good luck with it all. I'm excited to hear more as it develops. Thanks, Tony. Thanks so much for having me today.